Hello and welcome to the CDI podcast. I'm Dylan Edgel, Assistant Director of the University of Central Arkansas Center for Community and Economic Development. Our guest today is Sam Evans from the St. Louis Federal Reserve. Sam is a part of the community development team at the St. Louis Fed, focusing on workforce development and job quality issues and opportunities in low and moderate income and underserved communities across the 8th Federal Reserve District. Previously, she worked as a program officer at the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute and assistant director for Main Street, Arkansas, within the Arkansas Historic Preservation Program. Evans is active in a number of community organizations and serves on the advisory board for the Community Development Institute here at UCA. She holds a professional certifications in uh, community and economic development and a certificate in strategic doing. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dylan, and thank you for having me this afternoon. It's such an honor to be with you. Uh, Well, to start us off, can you just tell us a little bit about your career and and how you got to where you are today? Well, I'd love to weigh in on that, Um, but let me make sure to do our Fed disclaimers so to know that my answers today are my own and do not necessarily represent the views of the Federal Reserve System or the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. I really kind of just want to start out and just kind of let everyone know about the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, And so for those that may not be familiar with the bank, uh, we are the central bank of the United States. Um, We have responsibility for monetary policy, which you can kind of think of that as um, maintaining, you know, full uh, maximum employment, as well as maintaining stable prices. And we are also responsible for the supervision and regulation of banks. So trying to make sure in a couple of ways that the money that is kept in banks, that it remains secure. Um, And then also the banks are being responsive to consumers. So by ensuring that there's fair access to credit and that banks are meeting their obligations under the Community Reinvestment Act, um, which is essentially asking them to invest or to lend um, and provide um, services back into the communities at a proportionate rate that they're receiving deposits from that community. Um, And so what a lot of people may not realize is that there is a community development function um, within the Federal Reserve um, that's really working. um, We work really hard to promote economic resilience and mobility for um, those that are low um, and moderate income, so low income, underserved, under-resourced areas, um, and individuals. Um, and the way that we really think about that at the Federal Reserve is really looking at like economic growth while we understand that not always happen proportionally in every neighborhood or every region um, or even every household, right? Um, that there, there's just because the economy is booming or say booming in one area doesn't mean that everyone is experiencing that boom um, of the economy. So we're really thinking about what are those levers that can be pulled and what are the drivers or opportunities that we might um, be able to help communities look into investigating or pursue that really could help build economic resilience and mobility of individuals and families? And so for me, that's just exciting to be um, at a place and, and, and have a career um, that's looking at and thinking about these these issues. And so my role, I serve on our policy and analysis team, and it is to serve as community development um, advisor where I focus on workforce development and quality of jobs. Um, So this notion of ensuring that individuals are both prepared to enter the workforce and are able to increase their education and skills across their careers. Um, which we see as critical to a healthy economy. Um, and my, my career projection into that, you know, early on in my um, journey, 
Um, I, I always knew that I was going to be a public servant. I always knew that um, that's kind of where I really wanted to be is really thinking about how to build up my community, how to build up those that are um, around me that may not um, be in a position to do for themselves. Um, and so I really thought about that and it started with um, looking into um, a bachelor's degree and and I did that at Spelman College and then um, matriculated onto the University of Minnesota where I started urban and regional planning. And that really took off due to um, thinking and being a part of community events. Um, in my own surrounding community where I had lived at the time um, and seeing how urban planners were really at the forefront of really thinking about how communities um, are activated, how community members are activated to being able to make a change in their own communities. And you can actually see it, you can feel it, you can even taste it at times. Um, and so that's where I really um, started to really study that. Um, however, I will say that studying community development and urban planning is a lot different from doing, right? And so it was through my doing of community development throughout the various um, jobs that I've been able to have to where I've been able to really look at and think about how are communities um, mostly impacted. Um, and then it led me on to be thinking about um, how policy really um, is at the, the intersection of being able to help to influence communities and what they're able to do long, both in the short term, but then also in the long term. And so that's where kind of like my career projection has, has kind of taken place. And I'm working with some amazing individuals um, in our community development um, team to be able to do that. And uh, kind of moving off of that, um, we, I want to talk about workforce development with you. Um, so, so what do you think the future of workforce development looks like? And how have you seen communities kind of work towards that future as we're moving, moving into the 21st century? Sure. So we've been able to look at this at the Federal Reserve um, System and, and, and definitely at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Uh, we've been intentionally looking at and setting this, um, like the future of work um, for a number of years. Um, even just this recent uh, research from our St. Louis Fed economist, Sunki Hong, that really discussed the potential impacts of automation on the labor market. Um, so in which looking at, you know, the description of how automation is replacing jobs in the manufacturing um, sectors and how even um, he highlighted how 60% of jobs within our district, um, which also includes Arkansas, um, face potential for automation over the next um, two decades. Um, but in light of this risk of automation um, over the next two decades, we're actually seeing that there's also opportunity, right? That their automation and artificial intelligence-based technology could alter the workplace, creating a hybrid model um, with humans and AI working alongside each other. Um, and these changes also um, result in the creation of jobs, actually. Um, and so employers, job seekers, Regional policymakers have the chance to respond in a way that um, propels them to meet both immediate and future needs for maximum workforce productivity. Um, recently, um, back in February, um, worked with a colleague on creating and talking about this very subject. Um, and so we really looked at, you know, seeing communities create accessible career pathways that connect underemployed and underserved workers to technology sector opportunities. 
in ways to where employers are looking more at the skill, not just at the certificate or the degree level um, of hiring. Um, also seeing, um, for instance, nonprofits that has, have done at no cost to individuals providing job-focused um, curriculum to train um, driven learners while also connecting them to paid apprenticeships and job opportunities with employer partners. Um, so in this way, they were discussing and saying how this really provides expertise in finding, training, and placing students um, because um, they really, you know, are able to get the value to an organization's team and how that really um, looks at that um, despite a person's resume and how it may look different from those that may have an actual um, degree in computer science or IT. Um, and so they're being able to do that through apprenticeships and work-based learning opportunities. Um, I would say too that being able to have those like apprenticeship programs, which I know Dylan, you've, you've discussed and, and wrote about um, um, previously in the past, is really looking at how to being able to de-risk the, the hiring process and really build relationships with various companies, which has opened up new doors um, for job seekers and really fulfilled those acute employer needs that are impossible or incredibly costly um, to just through traditional means. And so really looking at ways in which they're focusing on employment demand and what those program, potential program outcomes could be, um, being transparent about the, what those expectations are, um, and teaching power skills and growth mindset to develop confidence. Even me as a mother really thinking about how to prepare my son for a job or a career that I don't even think exists yet, right? Um, and so what are the skills too that we can be able to teach our younger learners about being able to prepare them for, for this um, potential workforce for the 21st century of, of careers that we don't even know exist, right? Like cybersecurity just wasn't a thing really um, whenever I was thinking about going into the, um, going into my career when I was a young um, student. And so really thinking about what are those skills that um, students now, like my son who's 11, what are those things that I need to be teaching him now? And those really include, you know, like emotional intelligence, you know, being able to have that, um, being able to have that, to being able to create some of those soft skills that can be able to project him to being able to think about, you know, what are those technology areas that he can have. And so I think it really takes all of us within this um, workforce ecosystem to really think through that. Yeah, I, I love that growth mindset that you just talked about. Um, because, you know, we, I've heard a lot about AI and there's a lot of talk of the threats of AI, but uh, I think having that mindset of, um, you know, that it may not replace jobs, but it can change jobs dramatically. And how do we uh, learn how to work with these new technologies to kind of benefit uh, all of us? I, I love that. I was just thinking, too, that a lot of um, you're seeing those employers that do have these growth mindsets, right, that they're actually working with employees that may be at risk of their jobs being automated and talking to them about what other jobs that they can be able to do and getting them the right digital skills that they'll need in order to being able to upskill them into these newer jobs and opportunities um, that even though those, you know, uh, instead of saying that you're at risk of losing your job, the jobs are going away, that we can actually talk to you about what is it, those skills that you're actually interested in doing and really thinking about learning as a lifelong skill 
rather than it stops just as when you get that job. And so really um, optimistic about those employers that are able to really like do that and take that on and, and working with their employees to being able to upskill them into these, these newer jobs and getting them the training that they need, especially in a time like we find ourselves in now um, through this pandemic. You know, uh, workforce development is kind of a, a defined role in a lot of our communities. We have a workforce development coordinator, uh, maybe at uh, our community colleges. Um, but for those people who are outside of that formal role of workforce development, how can they be involved in that process to help their own communities train and retain uh, their citizens and their young people? Yeah, sure. That's such a great question, you know, um, because for a lot of folks, they may not see themselves actively participating in that ecosystem that built up their workforce in their communities um, and really seeing these in small and mid-sized communities to where actually we all have a role to play, right? Um, and being able to help people to have those assistance, things that they need to being able to not think of just a job, but actually having a career and getting them through a pathway to being able to have um, success and being able to provide for their families um, and stay and retain into these small and mid-sized communities, right? Um, and so um, it's, you know, besides playing an active role in providing um, things like these work-based learning opportunities where you can see those happening and where I've just seen um, some incredible examples that have been happening even with like food bank pantries, because even right now we're seeing that a lot of our small businesses a lot of our restaurants are um, not able to open up fully. And so being able to provide opportunities where those um, workers can be able to, to earn still a living and being able to serve their communities at the same time. And so working at food pantries and things of that nature. And so you're seeing your food pantry operators who may not see themselves as workforce development um, service providers for actually providing a service for that community because they're seeing that there's a gap there. Um, and so being able to continue those programs and being able to, to fill those gaps is something that we're seeing where folks can be able to play a role. Um, in addition to encouraging mentorship opportunities, right? Um, and so you may be able to see those that may, looking at the future of work and where there may be a risk of their job being um, automated, being able to make a shift over and, and learning from other folks that are um, working in a different career and something that they may have interest in, being able to connect those dots, um, not just for young learners, right? For those in college that, you know, they're, we're always um, told to encourage mentorship opportunities, but even for our older workers too, right? That, you know, we do have some of those jobs that are um, going away, but we still have those folks that are still wanting to continue to work. Um, and so being able to shift over and say, you know, I always thought about teaching. Um, how can I be able to connect with the teacher right now, especially, you know, in virtual environments to be able to learn more about what that looks like. Um, so encouraging those mentorship and then this opportunity of meeting people where they are and continue learning for current employees seeking to enhance their digital skills um, and really connecting on things such as, you know, the digital divide to for providing things on the food and security levels. And so um, that to me is what really gives me hope. Yeah, that's, that's such an important uh, thing to consider is those uh, older um, workers who, who may want to have a, a career change. You know, it's not, not only the young people uh, you want to retain and train. So 
it's, it's really great thing right. to consider. I was, um, I was thinking thir- too through um, a previous program that I knew about um, and where you had some of those older workers that um, in a local community where the manufacturing plant had closed. Um, so they took a few of those workers that still wanted to work, still wanted to be active, um, and they were able to work with them to create like an AmeriCorps VISTA program for for those that were um, old, um, somewhat older um, and being able to have them as these VISTAs in these school districts that, um, you know, needed some of those paraprofessional um, gaps um, and then training them on up through um, to, to have these teaching roles and connecting them there. Um, and so that's just kind of like one example of where I've seen um, that take place. You know, we saw that back during the Great Recession. And so hopefully some of those programs, even now that we're seeing, can kind of help fill those gaps that we're seeing right now. Awesome. And uh, speaking of training, I wanted to ask you about CDI. Um, so you uh, are a graduate of CDI. You have your PCED. You're on our advisory board and you've been a speaker at CDI. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about uh, your experience with us at CDI and, and the impact that it had on your career. Yeah, so you know, um, just thinking through um, early in my schooling, schooling and I was interested really in issues around, you know, community development, um, economic development, workforce development, and how those things happened. Um, <clears throat> And when I came, I lived in Atlanta and Minnesota. Um, so some of these, you know, larger urban um, areas. Whenever I came back home, back to Arkansas, and I was just starting out in my career, I, you know, I had learned, I had had a graduate um, degree um, that specialized in community development. However, like I said before, learning about it and doing it is two totally different things, right? Um, And so early on, um, you know, I was really trying to think through um, and being, you know, although I was from Arkansas, I didn't really know that much about the state, right? I didn't um, um, really, um, as, as going through my career, you know, really knew. And so I was encouraged by one of my um, colleagues there at the time where I was working to um, be a part of the CDI and, and sign up. And so that's where I did and, and was able to really um, network with, I consider lifelong friends and colleagues um, through um, community development profession um, that, you know, and, and I'm thinking of, you know, like, um, all those simulations and and things that we went through at, at Community Development Institute, um, as well as um, learning from the various speakers that attended um, prior, you know, coming to um, the Federal Reserve Bank um, and learning from them um, and being able to understand not only you know how to do this work. Um, but then also learning about, you know, um, who is doing this work and where and where are those best practices um, of folks that are able to do that. And so and, and then being able to create some familiarity of those that were around this, 
around the country, actually, um, that were doing some good work and being able to know that I can just pick up the phone and call um, various, call upon these people whenever there was an issue or something that I was trying to understand or, or needing some assistance on, I knew that I could be able to do that um, and call upon those that were in my um, community development um, class, as well as um, as staff there um, and continual learning, right? Um, and so it goes back to, you know, what we talk about in workforce development all the time around this continual learning process and that it doesn't just stop at, you know, formal school, but that there needs to be an opportunity for continual learning throughout the spectrum of, of one's career. Um, and I was able to do that um, and continue to do that. There's still things that I continue to learn um, um, throughout um, community development. Um, and so um, I'm so thankful to have that experience early on in my career um, and then to being able to learn from those individuals that were um, around me um, in my class. And so, um, and they've become lifelong friends um, throughout, throughout um, my career and, and time. So, yeah. That's awesome. And, and I, you know, I am looking forward to having that experience as well. I, I was supposed to already have had my CDI experience, uh, but COVID kind of stopped this uh, there. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited to learn uh, from you uh, again at, at CDI next year. Um, but uh, Sam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, we appreciate all the support you've given us and everything you do. And, and your work with the St. Louis Federal Reserve is incredibly important uh, as the nature of workforce development continues to evolve as we move into the 21st century. On upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, community partners, and community and economic development experts from across Arkansas and the Mid-South. We hope you join us next week on the CDI podcast.